Well, uh, the Great Reset. This is our final one on this uh, series. Who's enjoyed it or got anything out of it? Uh, hopefully you have. Uh, it's a big subject. I mean, I could keep going on for the rest of the year, but I, I just want to give an overview. Every time I wanted to go into something, I just felt the Holy Spirit say, no, just stick to this. And uh, because I was saying we're going to touch on revelations, which we are, but not in the same way as I wanted to. I wanted to pull apart with we'll it another time. So um, we'll see how this all unpacks. Uh, I've got a million things going on in my head at the moment, but uh, just shake them out, be all right. <laughs> so what we're witnessing today in our world, as you tune in on the news and the fake news and the real news, you'll see this conflicting ideas and thoughts of what's going on. But regardless of what you listen to, there's some crazy stuff going on around the world. You know, it's the power of the lawlessness and darkness at work in our world right now. And the reason we bring this series to you, as I say every time I'm up here, is because Ephesians 5, 11 says, Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. We as a church are called to expose those works, those deeds of darkness. And I'm, you know... There's some great churches in Adelaide, great churches around the world that are doing this. Others are trying to avoid it. And I don't understand what that avoidance is about because the Word of God is there to help us all, empower us, and show us the way. You know, uh, when we're a few, it says, you know, only the truth will set us free. So why are we not speaking the truth? Why are we not exposing these things? Jesus said the truth will set you free and we want to be free people. Otherwise, you're bound up. Nobody likes to be bound up. We want freedom. That's why we call this church freedom. In Christ, we have freedom. See, when we refuse the truth, there is nothing left to believe but a lie. Last week, I spoke about Daniel. Uh, this week, I will touch a bit on Revelation because Daniel and the book of Revelation are very interesting because they share very similar thoughts and uh, images and, and passages of the same, like. But... Uh, Firstly, when I mention Revelations, quite often people go, oh, that's a scary book. You know, oh, I don't touch that one because that doesn't make me feel happy. I'll just go to a nice book in the Bible that makes me feel happy. And, uh, but it's not supposed to be scary, as I've said before. Let's have a look. Revelations chapter 1, verse 1 says, A revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave to him to declare to his servants things which must shortly come to pass. He signified it by sending his angel to his servant John, who bore the record of the word of God and of the testimony of Jesus Christ and all things that he saw. Now, this is the key verse here. Blessed, or blessed is the one who reads and hears the words of this prophecy and the ones keeping the things written in it, for the time is near. Here we have Paul, uh, sorry, Paul, uh, John on the island of Patmos has this vision, speaking these things of things to come. Now, he's speaking at a time a couple thousand years ago, talking to the people of his day, so he's communicating in words and, and images that they may understand. But to break it all down in a summary, um, as Dr. Camille used to say, he says, the book of Revelation is about Jesus Christ. It's a revelation of who he is and what he's about to do. And that's what you need to understand. And blessed is it's he who reads these words and understands them. It's about the almighty God. It's about blessings for those who live and obey his commands. It's about justice. Revelation is about justice, rewarding the righteous and punishing the wicked. It's about the church, about repenting. 
It's about the second coming of Christ. Jesus came the first time as Saviour and is coming back as King and Judge. And it's about eternity and where we spend it. There's nothing scary in that sense about that if you know you're on the right side. When you're on the winning side, you're on God's side, you know he's got it all covered. He knows. There's no surprises in the kingdom of God. He knows exactly how this is going to play out. And he's showing you through his word those things that you could have assurance. That's why you're blessed because I know what's happening. You know, when things are happening in the world, I'm not going, oh my goodness, the world's falling apart. I'm going, I know what's coming. I know what's happening because my Bible tells me. It gives me insight. It gives me understanding. Now, having said that, there's a lot to unpack in all this. When you get to the book of Revelation, it's a very difficult book to understand without the help of uh, a bit of history and understanding the culture and reading hours and hours of different commentaries <laughs> on the thing. Um, because when we read a book, in the English, our sequencing is like we start here and we move through a progression. But the book of Revelation is a little bit all over the place in that sense. It doesn't like page one and then page two follows that. It can be over it. And there's several images, the bowls, the trumpets and all this represent several things of the same thing. John would often say, and then I saw. Sometimes we think it's in a different event, a different kind of thing. But as uh, I've been studying uh, from the uh, Israel studies that I do, a professor said that it is written in a context that, say you were just as a witness a car accident and you're describing what happened to the police. You go, well, then I saw the car come from the left, then this person came from there. They're all in the same context. It's all in the same moment. And, some, and the book of Revelations can be in the same moment, but we can read it as in several moments of things happening. So it could be an eye view. And it's a big book to pull apart. And I said, I'd have to do a whole series on all that. So I'm just going to speak of a certain aspect out of this today regarding to where we've been re, uh, talking with the book of Daniel and uh, the Great Reset and what's been happening. So the book of Revelation is a prophetic book which outlines the things that must happen before Jesus returns. And that's the exciting thing because we're starting to see some things happening. So we should be excited. We should be excited. You know, you can be in this moment all doom and gloom going, oh, the world's falling apart. I don't know how I'm going to survive tomorrow. Uh, you know, go eat some worms. You know, you, you could go into a whole panic mode, depression, fear, and we've seen the world do that. Or you could say, wow, Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. Things are getting closer. Things are coming closer. And you know, some people would say, you know, I've had this often, people say, oh yeah, but look, even in the New Testament, it talks about the time is near. Sure it does. And each day is one time closer. And people go, oh, look, I don't think it's ever going to happen in my day. Jesus returns, whatever. You know, we don't know when it's going to happen, but we can be, always be prepared. And we see the signs. Jesus gave us signs for a reason. And we can just count it all the time and go, no, nah, it's not happening now. It's not happening now. Well, it's going to happen to somebody in some era. I'm telling you, it's going to happen to somebody on this planet in one era of time. It's going to just take place. And people are going to be caught out going, oh, I didn't think it was going to be now. Well, be ready. Okay, well, we're going to turn to chapter 13 of the uh, book of Revelation. As you're doing that, I'm just going to um, let you know that this is a book of blessing. And one of the things that when you go from chapter 1 to chapter 2 and 3, the first thing Jesus addresses is the churches, the seven churches of Asia Minor. 
And in that, he tells them what he has for them and what he has against them and tells them to repent. Jesus deals with the church and he's dealing with the church right now. Jesus is dealing with the church before we see everything unfold. So we need to, as a warning for us to get our lives right. Just a little sideline there. Okay, Revelation chapter 13, verse one. And I saw a beast rising out of the sea with 10 horns, seven heads, with 10 diadems on its horns and blasphemous names on its heads. And the beast that I saw was like a leopard, its feet like a bear, and its mouth was like a lion's mouth. And to it the dragon gave his power and his throne and great authority. And they worshipped the dragon, for he had given his authority to the beast. And they worshipped the beast, saying, Who is like the beast, and who can fight against it? Well, who gets confused when you start reading things like that? A beast rising out of the sea, ten horns, seven heads, ten uh, crowns on its horns. And it can get like, okay, what does this all mean? Well, there's certain things we do know from the Scriptures and understand it a bit more. Firstly, we saw a beast rising out of the sea. The sea always represents the nations, the people, right? There's many. That's what they represent by sea because a lot of it is a prophetic sort of word in which we need to understand what it means. So I saw a beast rising out of the, the nations. Out of, out, out, that's what it's referred to as a sea. And it talks about ten horns with crowns on it, referring to ten kings. And the seven heads, which we'll see later on, is uh, I'll, I'll explain that one a little bit later. Uh, we'll get there in a minute. But it says, Then I saw a beast uh, like a leopard, and its feet like a bear's, and a mouth like a lion's mouth. Now, I've seen lots of commentaries on this saying, you know, the leopard is Germany, and... Um, you know, they've got leopard tanks and things like that. There's always leopards. And the feet were like a bear, and we think of Russia. And its mouth was like a lion's mouth. Some believe that's the UK kind of thing. There's lots of different takes on all this. And it says, um, but what I want to say out of this is reading a bit more in depth and understanding it was written to the people of the day, which some of these things haven't come to pass yet. We can learn from Daniel, quite often it gives us the clarity of, of those things. Because in, in, first of all, in, uh, when we read the book of Daniel last week, it references the leopard being the Latin Empire uh, as the Greeks, and, uh, or sorry, modern empire of the Greeks. The bear as likened to the Medes and Persians and the mouth of the lion like Babylon. So when we read that passage again, it says, and I saw beasts rising out of the sea with ten horns, it goes on, and it says, and the beast that I saw was like a leopard. So it's referring to something that has been like a leopard, like what Daniel described what the leopard was like, and so forth. So it's all kind of a little bit cryptid. It gets a bit messy sometimes trying to work it all out. Hang on. I've had to sit down and write this down a few times. Go, hang on. So the leopard's this, 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 that. Daniel says this. So. But Daniel is a great book to give you an understanding of some of the, the things in Revelations. Because when we read the beast, what is the beast? Because quite often I've been told the beast is a person, but it's not really a person if you go by what Daniel says. Remember last week we spoke about Daniel seeing the statue and the, the empires to come, the kingdoms to come, and the fourth kingdom had the ten toes and all that. Well, in Daniel 7.23 it says, Thus he said, As for the fourth beast, 
there shall be a, king, a fourth kingdom on earth. So the fourth beast shall be a fourth kingdom on earth. So it's referring to a kingdom. The beast is a kingdom. And that's what we saw with the four in the statue, the four uh, kingdoms. The beast is a kingdom. So when you start thinking of the word beast as a kingdom or, or a power as such, it will give you a bit more understanding. Because it says, uh, as for the fourth beast, there shall be a fourth kingdom on earth, and it shall be different from all the kingdoms, and it shall devour the whole earth and trample it down and break it to pieces. As for the ten horns out of the kingdom, ten kings shall arise, another shall rise after them. He shall be different from the former ones and shall put down three kings. He shall speak words against the Most High and shall wear out the saints of the Most High and shall think to change the times and laws, and they shall be given to, into his hand for a time, times, and half a time. So Daniel gives us some clues about the kingdom, these four kingdoms. So when we take that back up to Revelations, once again, 13, I saw a beast rising out of the sea. I saw a kingdom, the fourth kingdom that Daniel was referring to, coming out of the seas, uh, has seven heads, it has ten kings, which, which, uh, which also represents horns is power, um, ten diadems, which is like crowns, and uh, this links in with the ten toes of Daniel. So it's all this kind of picture thing. And like I said, it does do your head in when you're working it through. I think our speaker's gone out again. That's all right. <laughs> you can still hear me. That's fine. So we see a picture of an emerging kingdom coming forth, the fourth kingdom, which I believe we are actually right into. And uh, we're going to start seeing some incredible things take place. But there also mentions in Revelations 13:11 another beast, which is referred to as a spiritual leader, a false prophet. It says, "Then I saw another beast rising out of the earth. This time it's out of the earth, not out of the sea. It had two horns like a lamb, and it spoke like a dragon. It exercises all the authority of the first beast in its presence, and makes the whole earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast, whose mortal wound was healed." It performs great signs, even making fire come down from heaven to earth in front of people. Now, this beast, as we go on further on that passage, takes control of people and it says in Revelation 13, 16, and it causes all both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond to receive a mark on their right hand or in their foreheads, and even that they not buy or sell except those having the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here is wisdom, let him have in reason count the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man, and his number is 666. I said that like a New Zealander then, it sucks. Where's Diana? <laughs> no, I didn't say it right, no, it's all right. <laughs> Just realise every time I do a six, yeah, anyway. Um, so here we see a picture of two beasts, one which will come to power as a kingdom, and there would be a mouth given to it, we read in the scriptures of some probably some sort of world leader. I don't know exactly how that's all coming out, but that's how it's all becoming. And also a religious leader, the second beast. Now, the clue that we have in this, of course, is Revelations 13, 18. We spoke last week about the, the mark in the hand, the right hand, forehead, uh, and uh, how that is certainly in place today in many aspects. People are using microchips all the time for opening doors, paying things, and uh, so forth. We can see that in operation. Now, whether that's going to be the exact end of it, because it actually locates it in the right hand and the forehead. Now, I've said this before when we went to Disneyland a few years ago. I'd heard that they 
would not allow you to scan your right hand. It's like they said, no, that's been reserved for something. And uh, so, of course, me being me, I had to test that out. So, because uh, they gave a stamp on your hand, right? That's to give you entry and exit if you need to go somewhere and come back in. And, um, and I went, okay. So I purposely uh, changed hands because they, 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 actually, they wanted to use your right hand. That's right. Sorry. They wanted to use your right hand, get used to using your right hand. So the scanners and everybody's coming in just being scanned on their right hand. And uh, I stuck my left hand out. <laughs> and the guy, put, no joke, he just pushed it away and grabbed my right hand and, and then stamped it on there. And I go, oh, interesting. So I go tell the daughters, I go tell my daughters, hey, when you go in there, give me your left hand and see what happens. <laughs> well, today Disneyland have got some other bracelet device now with a little Mickey Mouse scanner and they're all doing the right hand, the right hand, the right hand. It's just interesting. I'm going to say a lot of things that I'm just going to say interesting, okay? So... <laughs> Um, so here's an interesting one. So it says in Revelation 13, 18, here is the wisdom. So we need wisdom. Let him have in reason count the number of the beast. Now remember the beast is the kingdom, the number of the kingdom. For as that of a man, a man that belongs to this kingdom, and it's a number is 666. Now interestingly, um, if you understand the Hebrew and the Greek languages, have a number value for every letter in the alphabet. So every letter that's written has a number value. So that's how you can calculate a number of the beast by its name adding up to 666. Now, I've read some old commentaries, and one of the old commentaries, which is quite interesting, actually, when you put it into that light, saying the beast is a kingdom, and its number comes under the 666, what kingdom do we know that could possibly add up to that? And they found that the Latin kingdom, the words the Latin kingdom adds, adds up to 666. The Latin, Latin kingdom is actually the Roman Empire. And I thought, well, this is very interesting. There's that word again, interesting. Uh, <laughs> and so what this, in this commentary, this guy says he believes that the, the kingdom that's being referred to the fourth and final kingdom is the beast kingdom is... Uh, a Latin kingdom, meaning the Roman, Roman. The Roman Empire was pretty powerful and died out, but they reckon it's been revised again. It's been revised into the system. And, um, and of course, the number of a man will be a man that's linked to that. His name, we know in, in history, uh, the Roman Emperor Nero, his name adds up to 666. And uh, I know what you're going to do now. You're all going to go home and say, add up your own name. Go, I hope I'm not him. <laughs> 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 but there's been many uh, antichrists, but there's one particular one to come forward in this whole thing. Now, an interesting thing with this religious leader, when we start looking at this, and, and please uh, uh, just take it for what I'm saying. You go do your own homework, because last time I mentioned this and showed to try it, uh, show you what this sort of spiritual leader will look like, I had somebody leave the church, so... <laughs> And uh, so, uh, and I didn't even say it was, I just said, it's interesting, there's that word, interesting, how this is developing, because the Bible tells us to look out for such a one, right? So, okay, so in uh, 1100 and something or other, there was a pope, or not a pope, a, um, what do they call him back then, a priest called Malachi in, Ger uh, not Germany, in Ireland, 
in Amar. Now, I've been to Amar, where it was. We didn't even know until we were there. We saw the guy's name, Malachi. Hang on, I've heard that before. Malachi was well known because Malachi had a, a vision of all the popes that would happen after he died to the last pope before Jesus returns. Now, I did do something on this years ago to show you the actual uh, names and things that he put together for that. Now, the interesting thing was the popes, of course, he didn't know who was to come, but every pope got to choose their own name, as it is now. And some chose their own name, and there was something about their character and their shield and all this that explained all that about them. So we know all that he wrote, and people have been lined up with the popes through the, uh, through the ages and realized that, hey, he's pretty accurate. He is pretty good. Now, according to his popes, he saw 112 of them, right? 112. The last pope to come would actually be somewhere around our time now. And he actually named this pope, it would be called Petrus Romanus. Petrus Romanus is, is Italian, obviously, for Peter the Roman. So he named the last pope to come Peter the Roman. And we look at it and go, well, he got that wrong because we've got Pope Francis, so it's not him. But somebody said, well, hang on a sec. How did Pope Francis name himself Pope Francis? From Francis Assisi. Now, do you know Francis Assisi's middle name is Petros? And he comes from Roman parents. So he could be like Petrus Roman, uh, Petrus Romanus, the pope. And, they said, and if that is so, we could be looking at the last pope. Who knows? Interesting. <laughs> so we see a prophecy of popes, which is very interesting. Uh, but one other thing that has emerged, and it's been in the background for a while, and I've shown this before, and, but someone just sent me something this week, which is just interesting. Uh, we will have a look at a couple of pictures. So, Carl, if you could just put up that picture of the uh, meeting with the leaders. Okay, the pope... This Pope is very interesting because he's the only Jesuit Pope. And uh, Jesuit Popes was kind of like the police force of the, the Popes, I guess you might call it, uh, over the years. But we've never seen a Pope like this pulling all different faiths together in one place and talking about a common uh, beliefs and things that we can all come together in respect for one another. And um, I thought, gee, this is very interesting. How on earth can you do this? Uh, see, a lot of people go, oh, you know, and I'm starting to hear in this talk where people are going, oh, look, it's the same God anyway. It's, it's just, just how they express it. I go, no, it's not. It's not. Okay, let's just talk, talk about the Muslim faith. The Muslim faith believes in Allah. Allah is a uh, word for God, but their God has no son. It's actually written, they, that's what they say. Allah has no son. Well, it can't be the same God then, can it? Because our God has a son, Jesus Christ, our Savior, the only way to God. Amen. So how on earth do you bring faith together when you've got completely different ideas, completely different beliefs? And as you can see, there's a whole bunch of them there. And this, this Pope has been pushing towards that whole gathering together. And if you've got the second slide, just have a look. And this is probably one of the answers they've come up with. This is in um, Abu Dhabi. And this has been built for two, the end of this year. I don't know if it's totally completed yet, uh, but it's pretty much there. And we see three buildings. There's one which is a synagogue, one that's a church, and one is a mosque. Isn't that interesting? Trying to bring the faith together in three buildings there, the three major uh, belief structures of the world, Christianity, uh, Muslim, 
and um, the other one. <laughs> Jewish, sorry. <laughs> Just had a mental block there. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> because you cannot coexist. They don't match. They don't match. They don't match. So these headquarters uh, is, uh, was built in collaboration with the Pope Francis and Sunni Muslim leader Shiak Haman al-Tahab. <laughs> Did I say that right? I don't know. Uh, after they have both signed a global peace covenant called the Document of Human Fraternity for World Peace. And we know when they say world peace, uh, as it says in the New Testament, it says when they talk peace and safety, the peril comes upon them. So there's a, there's a pushing forward of all this change under everything being nice, but it's not the true nice. See, the Bible warns us of this such a time, there will be a false prophet, a false beast system, all coming together to take control of the world. Control of you and I uh, individually, that's why they want the mark of the beast, because they can control you, your finances, they control everything you do. I mean, it's bad enough now. Uh, some of you, you've got your phones with you right now. Uh, Facebook is recording everything we're saying in one of their micro servo, uh, one of their big servers. And uh, uh, who know, who's aware of that? You know, Facebook listens in on you, right? Even Mr. Zuckerberg knows that. I saw a picture of him one time with his laptop. And he had tape over his mic. He had tape over his camera. Uh, so very interesting. So we're coming to, into a world where we're being controlled. Cameras galore are going up all around the world. And uh, we're being viewed from every angle. They know everything about our life. And that's where it becomes dangerous because then that's where they can start taking control over you. You know, everything you've watched, everything you've posted is in a server somewhere. They know it all. And uh, that's where you're going to be worried about because they can use it against you. I mean, I've heard of people uh, popping up on ads, uh, pictures. I go, you know, I've seen that person before and it's not the person I thought it was. But they're allowed to grab a picture of yours and use it for an advert, you know, somewhere else. And uh, it's not healthy at all. But the Bible tells us about this new world order because that's what it is. God set up the order of all times, but the devil wanted to destroy that and create his own order because he wants to be worshipped as the head of it. And we talked about the World Economic Forum, which is rebadged New World Order, the same, same context, uh, and the Great Reset was all about that whole deal, using an opportunity, a crisis in the world to... Uh, I was about to do it. I was just about merging to Klaus Schwab then. I got difficult time we have uh, merging the virus and, <laughs> and uh, all those sort of things. Uh, his, he actually says in his book, it's an opportunity to, they use the words, reimagine the world, take control. Yeah, imagine how they want it. As I showed you last week, where he said that uh, you'd own nothing in 2.30 and you'd be happy. Who's going to be happy? Are you going to be happy if you own nothing? No, I don't think so. So complete rubbish. But behind the scenes, over time, there have been lots of different groups that have been pushing towards this new world order, pushing to uh, put into place these powers and things. And I've mentioned some of the groups before. Uh, the Bilderbergers are a big group that meet every year kind of thing or every couple of years to discuss how they want the future to look for them. Not for you, because you're own nothing, remember? And um, Club of Rome, there's a whole bunch of them uh, go through them. But three major cities have been orchestrating the powers of this 
are three cities that you probably never even thought about. If you can just put that up for us. <clears throat> the Trinity of the Globus Control. Vatican City, City of London, Washington, D.C. So we have the Vatican that's been controlling the religious side of things. London has been a city. Now, this is a city of London, not London as a whole. And those, Taya would know this. You can walk into the city of London. Yeah. And uh, it's a different deal. It's a city inside a city. It's, it's not part of the country as such. And then you've got the military side in Washington, D.C. It stands for District of Columbia. It's not part of America. It's a city of itself. So is the Vatican. I've been to the Vatican. And it's got its own everything, post office, police force, everything. So these three are very interesting because they're all set up by the Rothschilds family, the world bankers that have been controlling a lot of things behind the scenes. Um, and I was just, I, I never knew about the city of London until I was walking through it uh, back in 2015 and my cousin said, oh, you're now entering the city of London. I said, what do you mean I'm already in London? And he said, no, 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 this is a different thing. Can you put up the next shot? Here's, here's the city of London, that's the boundary lines. Now it's noted very interestedly that you have, you see on the left-hand side here, you've got the city of London boundary, uh, Victoria Embankment boundary dragon. They've set up these statues of dragons on all those little points and there happens to be 13 of them. It's very symbolic, they believe, of 13 bloodlines, rich families that are involved with all this. But this is a little place of its own, uh, the police force where I think they've got different checkered hats instead of black and white, it's red, red and white. Uh, it's a different deal altogether. But it's just sat there, nobody's really understood what that's all about. But when you start to understand the other two, Washington DC, District of Columbia and the Vatican and how they've been operating and working together, it puts on a different deal. And I haven't got time to talk all about that, but I've, it's just something interesting you might want to know. <laughs> um, once again, it's, there's lots of things going on in the background. There's lots of things at play that we see in plain sight, but we never put it together, what's going on. The symbolism is everywhere. Can you bring up picture number five, uh, Carly? Uh, here we go. Who knows this one? A note, I can say it. That's a Latin word. If you see the eye and the triangle, all that, that's very symbolic. Um, 13 levels there. Uh, the eyes represent uh, the Egyptian god Horus, which is a representative of Satan. You've got Novus Ordo Seclorum, uh, which means uh, basically what that's saying in English is he is in agreement with the person, the, the eye of the triangle, with a new world order. Now, on the other side, you've got what is supposed to be an eagle, but it's not as a phoenix. And there's a lot of symbolic stuff in that as well. I could pull that apart one day, but uh, there's a lot of stuff in there. And if you ever want to see one, I've got one on me uh, to show you that is all true. It's, it's a Freemason uh, sign, signage that's been pulled through the ages. There's, the Freemasons are very heavily involved with all this stuff and you need to work on that. The symbolism is everywhere though. On the notes in America, it's on uh, companies. You'll see different signs and things that when you actually pull apart, you'll actually see a lot more involved with that, names and things. Um, one, um, but we want to understand that uh, these guys are so confident in who they are, they think they are gods. These people that are running the show think they are gods. They're not, they don't care. They'll show you anything. Who cares? You can't do anything about it. Well, I'm telling you, God is going to do something about it. They were so bold and brave, they actually, a few years back, put up the Georgia Guidestones, if you can just put that one up for us. Who's aware of the Georgia Guidestones? 
in Georgia. <laughs> um, interestingly enough, there's all these different languages that was written on there. They, it, it just suddenly appeared without really any explanation. And the guy who was named behind it, R.C. Christian, there's, there's a bit of a story behind that. But, but they put up here how the population and uh, the future of, of mankind should be. And one of the key things they write on there is to maintain the world's population below 500 million. 500 million people to maintain it at. And it is written in several languages to give you an understanding of what their plans are for the future and what they want. And they blatantly just put it out there in front of everyone and say, hey, there we go, there's our plans for you. You're, and you're, you'll be eating bugs and everything else. But, um, there's a whole load of things, but I'm telling you there is a comeback because people are starting to understand that and evil will not exist. If you go to the next shot, this is what happened to it recently. Somebody blew it up and there was bulldozed down the next day, uh, the rest of it. And I saw the actual footage shot of that. It was quite interesting. I don't know what it was. It's some sort of, they believe it was a direct energy weapon because I just saw a beam of like a... And it just hit that and blew up in the middle of the night. People don't know who did that, but they reckon that's just a sign of the good guys saying, you're not in control <laughs> anymore. They even made the mainstream media, which is interesting. So we see that which the devil is trying to build will not stand. It will always fall. And as we jump forward in the book of Revelation, like I said, I'm just doing a quick tour through here. Um, in Revelation 18, verse 23... This is talking about Babylon has fallen, the last empire, the evil uh, Babylon has fallen. It says in chapter 17, it gives you an understanding, once again, linked to Rome, uh, the Latin system. Babylon has fallen. It says in verse 18, 23, and the light of the lamp will never more shine in it at all. And the voice of the bridegroom and of the bride will never more be heard at all in you. Now listen to this. It says, for your merchants were the great ones of the earth, for by your sorceries all nations were deceived. Now, I've got a, a, a Bible called the Pure Bible, which gives you the more closest you can to the Greek, and it reads this way. The merchants of you were the great men of the earth, because by assistance of evil spirits, witchcraft, all the nations have been deceived. And I thought, wow, that's very powerful. Who are the merchants? Just think about who has been shown to control the power on this planet right now? Who's controlling everything, you know, besides the Facebooks and Googles? You've got Amazon, you've got, you know, the Costco, all these big corporations that have been running things in light with the pharmaceutical companies, Pfizer, all those guys, all together have been the big groups that have been controlling everything. And if they don't like what you say, they have the power to shut you down by paying people off or, or taking you into the courts. But interesting to note, it says this, uh, for your merchants, so your merchants can be the big Amazons who wants to control everything. And it says, um, and also by your sorceries, it says in my translation, uh, which is translated as system of evil spirits, sorceries comes from the word pharmakia, where we get the word pharmacies. It's very interesting. So when you look at it again, you go for, for your merchants, for your Amazons and all these uh, were the great ones of the earth because they are noted as the great ones that they're controlling everything. And, and by your sorceries, by your pharmacia, by your pharmacies, all nations were deceived. There is something big going on right now in control, struggle, 
power control through those things. Pfizer has such power that they are paying people off and uh, they've been through the course before, 2.3 million uh, case against them uh, for lying to doctors, lying for that. So I said, you just can't trust these guys. You can't trust these. You've, you've got to actually do your own research on everything these days. Don't trust anything you're being told. Uh, part of this system is, well, it's, it's from the devil and the devil's the father of all lies. So you've got to understand that. What's going on in our world, what you're hearing on the news and, and even our prime ministers quite often are just telling you lies. And when you see it's all the same wording around the world from all prime ministers and presidents saying the same thing, you know it's all scripted and it's being controlled by somewhere else. So we've got to be aware of that, that there's a deception going on and not to be part of that. You know, just for instance, I was just looking to see how much Pfizer has, uh, has uh, made for the full year of 2021, they made $81 billion, $81 billion. And, and now it's showing that their, their goods are not working or stand up to what they said, and it's coming out more and more, which you'll see later. But the great thing is we also have the Word of God, but we also have the voices, the, the prophetic voices. In the book of Amos 3.7, it says, For the Lord God does not do anything except by revealing his secrets to his prophets first. And that's why it's important to get into some prophets that you know and you can trust. They've been tested and you've seen it come to pass. Listen to what they're saying at this hour. And it's quite interesting because it's all lining up, not only with the Scripture, but what they're saying and what we're seeing is all making a picture now. It's like a jigsaw puzzle. We're getting pieces and we're starting to see and define clearly what has taken place. And uh, one prophet, uh, prophetess, she was saying that uh, you know, God is about to do some work like you've never seen. There's a revival coming. Basically, they're saying that what is being pushed right now by the enemy has not been, uh, they've been pushing it ahead of time. They've been pushing, you know, that it's not their time. And God said, I'm going to do some work here. I'm going to pull this apart because you've not been given that timing yet. And, um, and through that, we're going to see uh, revival, people coming to, to God. Because God always gives you chance to come to him. God will always give people an opportunity to repent before his judgment comes. And his judgment will come. Uh, but meantime, he's given an opportunity for all, all to come back to him. And she said there's going to be a flipping of things. What you see now is going to be flipped. And I do know behind the scenes a lot of things going on, um, particularly the financial world. There's changes taking place right now. Uh, you've got the BRICS, which is associated together. That's the groups of uh, uh, Brazil, Russia, India, China, and Sudan, I think it is. How do you spell BRICS? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and they're all starting to back all their currencies by gold. There's a, there's a move back to currencies with gold because the evil scheme of what has been running is your money is worth nothing, it's just a piece of paper. It's only that you're told it's worth uh, like gold. And there's about to be some big moves in that department and um, I'm hearing that uh, the stock market's, uh, well, we've been saying for a while, it's about to go, it's bust, and it's already starting to waver a lot. There's a lot of movement going on that we don't know, but there are things that have been put in place that are starting to set up for a new global system. Um, you have to wait on that one, but that's just an interesting thing to, for you to uh, know about. But the great thing is, out of all this, if this doesn't make sense to you, whatever, it's basically the attempt of the devil to disrupt and break down society, all that God has planned, the devil is trying to wreck. The devil knows he's got a short time, so he's going 
crazy now to bring down as many people as he can because his time is short. But I just want to finish on Revelation chapter 19 because I love knowing about the end. I love knowing about God's take on everything. And it says in Revelation 19, 11, And I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and he sitting on him was called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. And his eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head many crowns, and he had a name written, one that no one knew except himself. And he had been clothed in a garment dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies in heaven followed him on white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, so that with it he should strike the nations, and he will shepherd them in with a rod of iron. And he treads the winepress of wine of the anger and of the wrath of the mighty God. And verse 16 says, And he has on his garment and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. And Revelation 22 verse 12 finishes off with it. it says, Behold, I am coming soon. My reward is with me. I will give to everyone according to what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and last and the beginning and the end. My reward is with me and I will give to everyone according to what he has done. This is why it's so important that you know where you stand with God today. You know that you don't get caught up in the things of this world. We're not of this world. We're in this world, but we're not of this world. But the world is trying to make you join them. The world is trying to hook you in. The world is trying to distract you from what God is about to do. We have a Saviour. His name is Jesus. And uh, anybody is in Him as a new creation does not need to worry, does not to fear, have to fear because He is a Saviour. That means He saves you. So from whatever is facing you. He saves you. You've got to understand that. He saves you. So do not be fearful, but be a voice to others around you that are being uh, facing this fear for themselves because they do not know what tomorrow holds. I was, um, look, there's so much I could talk on this, uh, but there are some weird things going on. I, just this week, I saw pictures of armies coming into London and uh, and from sources I've heard, they booked out some of the hotels, 30 hotels in London, and they're UN soldiers. And you're going, what the heck are UN doing in London? And uh, you might know that, Tao. I don't know if you've heard that one. Uh, the UN soldiers, and there was armies and stuff. Now, you've got to understand the UN soldiers are not good soldiers. They're being controlled by these elites. So I'll wait and see where anything happens out of that. But uh, you try to book the IBIS Hotel, it's all booked out for UN soldiers at the moment. So we're seeing some crazy things happening. So I'm, as Sharon says, get ready for some bumps because you're going to see some weird stuff happen and it will happen very quickly. But God happens very quickly too. You know, God always says, and suddenly, suddenly, and it'll be a suddenly. So it's so important today that you're ready for that suddenly because it's coming, it's coming. And uh, I'm excited because I know who's behind that suddenly. You're about to see things change. Let's just close our eyes. <clears throat> Bow our heads this morning. Father, we just thank You for Your Word of truth. We thank You that, God, You revealed what is about to come, what is about to happen. You share with us because You love us. You share with us what is about to take place because you care about us. 
so we'd not be fearful, but we'd put our trust in You. And Father, this morning, if there'd be anyone out here that has not yet put their trust in You, has not received You as Lord and Saviour, I want to give that opportunity here right now. If you're in this place this morning, you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, you're not ready for that suddenly when He returns. That's suddenly for when He's about to do something. If you've never had an encounter with Jesus, you've never made Him your Lord and Saviour, you have an opportunity right now that gives everybody the right to become a child of God. If you'd like to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour this morning, knowing that you're going to spend eternity with Him, and no matter what happens, it doesn't matter long term because you're going to spend eternity with Him. Uh, I just want you to raise your hand wherever you are and uh, I'll just pray for you. It's one prayer, inviting Jesus into your life. It will change your life, transform your life. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. See that hand. Amen. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. You know, some people read the Bible as if it's a good read, which it is in itself. But they've never taken it seriously that it's actually informing you what is about to happen, word for word. So we're going to say the sinner's prayer today because it's important that we all know that we are right with God. So repeat after me. Dear Lord Jesus, I ask you to forgive me. I believe you died on the cross to pay for my sin and that you rose again from the dead. I receive you now as my Lord and Saviour and invite you to come into my life. I thank you now. Amen. If you said that for the first time, you are saved. Jesus promised to you. It's not by your works. Some of us go like, hey, uh, yeah, they're not good enough. Uh, when I get my life right, then I'll come to Jesus. No, no, you come to Jesus and He'll make your life right. Well, that concludes our service for the Great Reset. But I want to pray this morning uh, before we close off that God will touch you, empower you in these times to come, that you'll have the words to speak, that you'll stand up for the truth. You will not back down, for we are those uh, not shrink back, as it says in Hebrews. But we are those that are called to be a voice to this world, to speak out the truth, because only the truth can set you free. But let me just pray for you right now. Heavenly Father, I just pray for everyone here right now. We are your hands and your feet. Use us, God, for your glory. Let us be a voice to this world, this world that's in confusion, this world that is lost. God, I pray You empower each one of us here today, each person here empowered by Your Spirit. God, they'll rise up in the power that You've put within them as a believer in Christ. I pray, oh God, we'll see amazing things come to pass. We'll see the power of God moving through everybody in this place. Father, we give You all the glory this morning. We give You all the praise in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said,